what people care about is what affects them personally in their lives. So if you're able to deliver something that's going to add value to someone else's life, then you're going to have success in your content marketing. If you're just talking about yourself, nobody cares. What's up, brand new experts, Arik here at Ebook Design. And on today's podcast, my guest is Simon Kingsnord. And Simon is an award-winning digital consultant and strategic marketing expert. And he has worked and consulted to many leading businesses around the world. So Simon also helped global corporations as well as startups to scale and succeed when it comes to marketing. So uh, Simon wrote also this book, Digital Marketing Strategy, which is a very comprehensive book. And this is the book we are going to talk about today. By the way, this is the second edition you can guys see right here. So this book is very comprehensive and, and Simon shares here his in-depth knowledge of online marketing and digital marketing. Hello, Simon. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. So first of all, let's start with some basics. So, you know, digital marketing is a very broad term, right? Mm. And um, yeah. and your book is very comprehensive and you go into details and you cover all of its aspects, right? The process in great detail. So I just thought we could just spend a few minutes talking about a few each of those five parts that you divide your book into. So hopefully it's going to give us uh, some, some overview of what to expect from the book if our listeners want to dive in and learn more, right? So... Starting with knowing your business objectives and knowing mm. your customers, right? Which is the first part of your book. So here you're talking about getting to know your business objectives and your customer as the first step, very, very important step. So uh, you introduced us to uh, things like digital ecosystem and you talk about different channels and how they work together, for example, SEO mm. and pay-per-click and so on. So perhaps you can give us some overview of what this first part is all about and and how to really uncover our business objectives and get to know our customers. Yeah, thanks. It's an interesting area, this, and it's it's one that I think gets missed a bit too often sometimes by businesses. It's very interesting when you when you think about digital marketing, people often get excited about the technology and they start to think about what can we do on Instagram and, and what CRM system do we bring in? But you, you mustn't jump to that point at the beginning, right? You have to go back to what are we actually trying to achieve and you know, forget the word digital for a moment. Just think about and marketing. What are we actually trying to achieve, right? We're trying to grow our business or we're trying to make our business more profitable or grow our brand awareness. So you bring it right back to the goals, right back to the basics of what is it we're actually trying to achieve here and understand all of that. And to do that, you need to think about your wider business. So you need to consider who are we as a brand? Who are our customers now? And who do we want our customers to be? Maybe that's maybe those two things aren't the same at the moment. And if so, we need some strategies to move from one to the other. You know, what's our vision as a business? Are we trying to just get a few more customers? Are we trying to enter a new market? Are we trying to go global? You know, what's the culture? What are the KPIs that sit behind where we're trying to go? And understanding the digital consumer, obviously, is part of that. Now, in reality, these days, there is no real digital consumer. Every consumer is digital to some degree. Some use perhaps just they use their phone every day and they, they might just check their emails on it. Some maybe in and out of social media, literally every five minutes for the whole day. They're very different people, but they're all on the scale. So there's no digital consumer and non-digital consumer, really. We're all just different, different sides of the same coin. But um, it is important, having said that, to understand what, what the needs of someone are in the digital space. So you need to understand that we've got to be responsive in our designs because so you know the vast majority of people are using our platforms on mobile for example we need to be 
fast and agile in the way we work, we need our systems to integrate together. So there's a certain technology angle to it as well. So yeah, the first part is really just saying, just before you get excited about social media and, and, and Facebook and Google, just stop, 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 stop. Just what are you doing? Where are you now? What do you want to achieve? And what is it you need to think about uh, as, as building that strategy before you start going and delivering? Right. So you need to get that perspective on your business first before you actually dive into those specific channels and specific tactics, as you mentioned, right? Yeah, that's right. You have to be able to answer those core questions about who you are and what you're trying to achieve before you get into the detail. Right. And and who are your customers as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So some of my key takeaways from this part, you know, would be to understand your digital ecosystem. Uh, what's the difference between SEO, pay-per-click, social media, and so on? You give us a, an overview and later in the book, you dive into details and actually explain each channel in more detail, right? So Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about SEO and, and, and PBC later on in part three, but, but that's an interesting one because they do you know, closely relate to each other. So how you perform on organic doesn't necessarily affect directly what happens with your paid search. But if you are performing extremely well in one area of SEO, you might be able to pull your spend back from paid search on those keywords and apply it to a, to a different area. So balancing how you move those channels against each other not just mm-hmm. saying let's do some seo and let's do some paid search but how do those two fit together and how do we we adjust our pages our designs our descriptions so as they work for both channels but we perhaps focus them in different areas is a really important part of that strategy so it's something to consider at the beginning again before you get into let's do a load of paid search Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you talk about this, I, I remember in the book too, how they complement each other, right? If you're doing SEO, if you're doing pay-per-click, you can use some techniques like you can uh, model from some uh, pay-per-click ads uh, in order to improve your SEO, right? That's right. So you can look at the which ads are performing, which keywords are performing, and you can test that very, very quickly with a little bit of spend behind it, understand what people are actually responding to, and then start to optimize your SEO towards that. If you just... Mm-hmm. If you just do your SEO and wait to see what happens, it can be months, maybe even years before you really Takes get long. the right. data that you need. So yeah, that's 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 right. Mm-hmm. Right. So using the data from pay-per-click for SEO. SEO takes long time for you guys who don't know. And, and also maybe we should probably mention for you guys who are not familiar with those abbreviations, SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Pay-per-click is PPC, right? So it's a paid advertisement, right? KPIs, as Simon mentioned, is a key performance indicators, right? So yeah. it, it could be many different things. So I think we have an overview. Some of my other t- key takeaways from this first part is to understand, you also talk about business models, right? So it all mm. depends on uh, what's your business model because you could benefit from mass marketing or from niche P2C marketing. Maybe you can create some premium business model and also understanding the customer and their behavior and and also you talk about in this book which i think is pretty interesting about uh, technology adaptation and so on from a customer's perspective so yeah guys if you want to dive deeper i recommend checking out the book as you touch upon many different subjects so the second part uh, since we have some understanding that we first need to really uh, think about our business and our business objectives and our customer and define them properly. Then uh, in the second part, you talk about integrating digital change, right? So mm. uh, into a wider organization, right? So in this book, you start with talking about digital transformation and what it is and what it's not. 
And you talk about different technology development techniques to ensure that, you know, uh, our strategy can be implemented successfully. So can you talk to us a bit about that digital transformation and perhaps how to go about planning that implementation of our strategy for it to be successful? Yeah, absolutely. So digital transformation is a really interesting area. It's changed a lot over, well, it's, it's always changing, actually, but it's certainly over the last 10 years. If you rewind 10 years, digital transformation was just in its early days, really. People were starting to talk about it a lot. I think there was a lot of debate about what it really meant. Um, and some people, it was just changing a technology platform, but that's not really transformation. And what it meant for a larger business versus a smaller business, you know, big businesses that have been around for you know, 100 years, sometimes they have a lot of different systems that are talking to each other, many of which are very outdated. Um, and, and the digital transformation programs there can be four or five year projects that um, that are incredibly complicated and difficult and pull in hundreds and hundreds of people and spend millions of, of dollars. On the other hand, in a startup, it's very, very different. You can do a digital transformation in, in three months in a startup, but that doesn't mean you, you just go in and get on with it. You've still got to think about what transformation actually means. And transformation doesn't just mean changing a bunch of technology. Yeah, sure, that's part of it. But you know, a big part of digital transformation is actually changing the way you think and changing the way you work. Um, so there's a cultural element to digital transformation. It's not just if I change from HubSpot to Salesforce, great, happy days, I've done a digital transformation. Well, no, you haven't. You just change your, your, your CRM provider or your automation provider. Uh, but um, you know, actually, it's about think, changing the way you work, changing the way you think. So in a certain, certainly in a larger organization, you need to get all the key decision makers behind you to understand that you are transforming your business from one way of working to a completely new way of working. You know, it's, it's going to be about data. It's going to be about speed. It's going to be about agility. It's very, very different to an old school way of working from you know, perhaps back end of the last century or even early part of this. So, so digital transformation is, is a lot about understanding what technology is out there and moving into a, you know, a much more agile way of working, but also future-proofing yourself and enabling yourself next time you go through a digital transformation, which you know, you'll have to do some kind of tech or digital or cultural transformation at some point. There's no point in pretending you don't. If you are going to do that again in maybe 20 years' time, you have to make sure that this one has been built in a way that is incredibly agile for the next one to happen easily. You don't want to go through another 10-year project to keep doing that in 10 years' time. So, so there's a lot of agility and, and cultural change within that. And also within this section is a chapter that you know, I think is probably the most important chapter in the book. And yet it's the least glamorous chapter in the book. Um, it doesn't talk about anything really cool or sexy or exciting. It's about planning, all right, <laughs> which is potentially very boring. But actually, it's I, I hope it's not too boring. I hope I haven't written it in a boring way. Um, but you know, I always say to people, this is potentially the most boring, but most exciting part of the book at the same time, because if you get this planning right, everything else will work, right? Everything else will work. Your SEO, your social media, your content marketing, your acquisition of clients for the right price, the way your website works, your digital transformation, everything will work if you do this planning process correctly. And there are some very clear steps and approaches to, to doing that uh, within the book. So in that chapter, I think it's chapter seven in the second edition is really critically important. And then if you follow that process as you're building your strategy up and you're pulling in paid search and social media and content strategy and video marketing and whatever it is you might be doing within your uh, specific marketing strategy, you will have your best chance of making that work. So this part two is a lot about cultural change, transformation, planning, really thinking about how you are going to set yourself up for success. So we've talked about who you are, 
uh, and who the client is. Then we're talking about setting yourself up for success before part three, when we actually go on and start getting on with, with delivering some marketing within each of the individual channels. All right. So for you guys, so some of my key takeaways from this part, you know, uh, you were talking about getting decision makers on the same page. So they need to understand what tech is out there and fly into it, right? Into the change. And then you also mentioned that maybe it's not a sexy subject, but this is super important to plan your process correctly, right? This is critical to, to pulling off, you know, successful strategy. So planning is you should spend some time, you know, uh, in order to be able to successfully launch your strategy. Uh, strategy or marketing campaign. So here in this part, you talk about different development techniques like waterfall, agile, proof of concept, minimum viable product. I think our listeners probably are familiar with some of them at least. So yeah, basically planning would be like you talk about that in the book, you know, to define where you are as of now, which is A, and where you want to get, which is B. And the, and the third question would be to, you know, how to get there. Right. So we need to create a plan of the change. Right. So, okay. So since we've covered that in the third part of your book, you talk more about using channel strategy to reach our customers. Right. So you basically dive deeper into those channels and, uh, and their intricacies. And like, for example, SEO, which stands for search engine optimization. Right. And how to go about pay per click strategy as well and other channels like display advertising, social media, email marketing, email automation, and so on. So I thought maybe you can just give us some uh, general tips on how to use channel strategy effectively for what kind of business, because there are different businesses out there. And some of them, uh, I assume, are more suited for those businesses like, you know, B2B versus B2C and so on. Would you have some general tips on how to use channel strategy effectively in order to reach our customers? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, this is a huge area. So this is talking about all the channels, as you say, paid search, SEO, display advertising, social media. We're really going into the detail of, of each discipline within within digital marketing now. So it's a massive, massive area. So we can't spend the whole call on this. or we'll be here for a couple of weeks, right? But uh, Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, as you say, one of the key things about the book, when I first wrote it, I was very conscious that you know, myself, having worked in B2B and B2C and B2B2C and your various sector startups, big corporations, there are lots and lots of different business models. But, you know, each one is is unique. Each company is unique, actually. So you, you depending on, as we say, going back to the beginning, depending on your goals and who you are and who your, your consumers are, you're going to have a different approach to each of those, which is why we tackle that bit first. So if you are focused on, let's say you're a small small business, you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of money, uh, you know, where mm-hmm. do you go, right? You, you can't just go and do a, a whole load of paid search and display advertising because that's potentially going to cost you many, many thousands of dollars that you don't have at the beginning. Yeah. You're not going to be able to bring in like a, a sales force or something hugely expensive that could cost many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of pounds to to integrate. So, you know, there are plenty of good tools and platforms out there. And we talk about that later in the book, but there are plenty of platforms out there to use. Uh, but there are also, in terms of where you focus the channels, there are ways to optimize around low budgets. And probably the best of those uh, today is, is content marketing, part of which we're doing right now, right? On a podcast. Yeah, so there's exactly. a very good example of it. Um, so your podcast is extremely popular at the moment. Of course, you look at all of social media, that's all content marketing, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I mean, you name it, really. Um, all of that is uh, is content marketing. You know, blogging on your own website is content marketing. 
reviewing the static content of your website where you talk about your products and, and about the company and your homepage, all of that is content marketing. And you could even go so far as to say that your, you know, your brochures, your flyers, all these things are content marketing as well. Um, you know, it's a term that's been around for a long time, but it's certainly at the moment it, the most important area of marketing. So you know, building a content calendar and having an approach, um, there's an approach in the book called the content bubble that I developed, which is uh, worth having a look at if you get a moment. Um, I think I probably have a blog about it on my website somewhere else as well if you want to have a look. But um, but that that's you're understanding how to do really good, effective content strategy, which is, I think, chapter 14 of the of the book is is really important because that influences mm-hmm. social media which which is going to grow your following which is going to get you a lot of word of mouth which is going to get you good engagement which is in itself a signal to seo which is also informed by content of course because the more pages you have the more likely you are to return in search engine results the more relevant they are through you know, good effective use of keywords etc that again that's going to that's going to perform much better for you and seo if you get it right can be a very low cost way of bringing traffic into your website exactly the same thing with social media content yeah. if you have people internally writing it can again be really effective getting yourself pr coverage and getting on a podcast doesn't cost you anything necessarily so yeah you can use pr agencies you can use marketing agencies of course you can to do all these things but also, if you're smart and creative and you really drive at it, you can do a lot of these things very effectively for very low cost and bring in users, bring in visitors, bring in bring in clients uh, very cost effectively. And, you know, so I say that for people with low budgets, but that doesn't change if you have a lot of money. Right. I mean, if you've got big budgets for marketing, content is still a massively important area to focus on. Maybe you can mm-hmm. do more of it. Maybe you can do more complex pieces like research papers. Maybe you can develop tools that people use. So, you know, things like mortgage calculators or, or tax calculators, those sort of things, yeah. not very glamorous, but if you work in financial services, those are fantastic ways to, to drive traffic to your site because people use them all the time. So yeah. those are things you can develop and, and, and optimize around. So, so you know, I, I would say whilst there's lots and lots of areas of digital marketing to focus on, if you had to pick one today, I'd say that's that's content marketing because that influences pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm. Right, I would agree with that. This is what we are doing right now, and yeah, as you said, uh, it, it works great. Uh, it just takes some time, you know. SEO takes some time. It's not an immediate result, you know. If you do pay per click, you're gonna have immediate results, right? Of course, you need to spend some money to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, what brings you return on investment and what doesn't. So you have to have some capital. But with SEO, well, it, it doesn't cost you that much, but it does cost you time. So uh, if you do you have time. a... And, but also, yeah. there are ways to get ahead of it as well. So you, you're right. You make changes in, in uh, for, for, for SEO. They are probably going to take several months before they really kick in and start to give you any, exactly. any feedback. But there are tools like, like, like Google's tools um, themselves that obviously are, are free. Um, and you can use... There's also tools like SEMrush and Ahrefs and things like that that are really good. SEO tools that can give you data and insight about what your competitors are doing and where your website is working yeah. or not working for SEO um, and even suggestions around you know w- which sort of links you should go after what sort of content and partnerships you should go after so you know, there's a lot of good tools that can give you direction um, as well even if you haven't you, know, you haven't touched on it at all yet so um, so yeah it's a hugely important area the only thing you really need to remember it's the same thing that people have known for you know a good hundred years in PR, which is that you've got to produce content that the reader cares about, not just content that you care about. I think that's mm-hmm. the important thing. A lot of companies, and this is where that content bu- bubble model comes in. A lot, a lot of companies 
focus on you. We should, we've just won an award. We need to tell everyone about that. Or, or we've won a new customer. Let's tell everyone. Okay, great. But most people don't care. If we're honest, they don't care about your customers and your awards. What people care about is what affects them personally in their lives. So if you're able to deliver something that's going to add value to someone else's life, then you're going to have success in your content marketing. If you're just talking about yourself, nobody cares. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what we are doing right now. We are trying to provide some uh, viable content and insights for your guide, give you an uh, expert overview. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, SEO takes some time, but there are tools that can help you out at the beginning. And you know, when I started with SEO a few years back, uh, I have made some mistakes, but uh, I realized it worked. And then I was more specific and more accurate about, you know, choosing my keywords, for example, right? At the beginning, uh, I thought, okay, uh, any keyword related to my industry, like even how to trademark a logo, right? Which is, you could say it's relevant. I mean, graphic design and branding, right? It could be relevant, you know, uh, there's a lot of people searching for that, but it's a mistake, actually. I just wanted to get it out there. It was a mistake because, you know, if you look at the customer, if they want to tr trademark a logo, they don't need the logo design anymore. They already have a logo. So I should also pay attention to that. So maybe keywords like best nonprofit logos and featuring best nonprofit logos is a better way of getting those clients because they're just in the research phase. They are probably re ready to buy, right? Yeah. So, so that's how I figure out these type of keywords that would work for me, not how to trademark a logo since they already have the logo they want to trademark. Yeah, it's, you know, a, I, it's a really good point. It's a really good point, actually, Aaron, that, that One of the things you need to consider when you're thinking about content and keywords and everything else is, is ultimately the needs of the user. It's all about needs, right? You know, if someone is searching for something, they have a need that they're trying to fulfill. And you have to always think about what need am I solving here? What, what problem am I solving? So yeah. you know, if, if, you're, if you're providing logo design services, you've got to solve the need of, I need a logo not any of the other needs. Now, maybe once they come onto your website, you could upsell them some trademarking services or something else, but yeah. you can't bring them in with that because it's, it's too late. So, um, so yeah, you, you've got to be thinking with, with all of this that you do, what, what need do they have? And am, right. am I the right person to solve it? Is this the right keyword to solve it? Um, so always be thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And where they are in the custom in the journey, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, since they already have a logo, they want to trademark that logo. They don't need another logo, right? So, but if they're looking for best logos, like best nonprofit logos, that means that they are probably in nonprofit industry. Maybe they're a startup. Maybe they want to redesign their logo. They just want to get a sense of what is out there. Yeah. And they're and just doing re research. Logos. They'll be looking for best logos. They'll be looking yes. for how to design a logo. Mm -hmm. They'll be looking for exactly. a branding company near me. So yeah, absolutely. You need to play around that, but yeah. stick within the same need. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just like a life kind of example for you guys. Uh, okay, so some of the key takeaways from this part. So Simon was talking about, you know, uh, of course, there are different ways to go about that. But if you are a startup, the most cost efficient for you would be just in general content marketing. So you need to think about that rather than uh, probably like display advertising and things like that, since it's effective and it's low cost. So you can just start with a podcast or start with vlogging, hire the right people, you know, create content calendar and take it from there and uh, target the right keywords and of course set up everything the whole funnel 
uh, with call to action and things like that. So you can actually capture those leads, right? So there are different aspects also to this, like marketing automation and email, email marketing, you know, how you capture those emails and this data and how you do you follow up with them and so on. But as Simon said, the book, you could be talking for weeks about the content, you know, from this book because it's really, really comprehensive. It has over 300 pages and it really explains many different aspects when it comes to digital marketing. So, okay. So in the fourth part of your book, you talk about more about conversion, retention and measurement, right? And I think a very interesting thing here would be, you know, from the perspective of creatives, which is part of my, you know, my audience, you talk about the importance of UX design and design thinking. And in general, about the user experience. Now, also other things like, you know, setting up a CRM system and, and measuring those results and using some data analytics, right? So can you just talk to us a bit about, you know, how those conversions happen and how to measure them? And perhaps you can give us some like general tips on how to design that great experience in order to retain our customers and convert better. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as you say, but part three talks about effectively how to get these guys to you. Uh, part four says once they're there, how do we convert them into clients and and keep them as clients and, and keep them as happy clients as well, right? So I uh, get them to refer clients to you, bring more business to you, and build your empire. So yeah, I mean the tracking and analytics is a hugely complex area and very technical um, in in many many ways. So I, I'd recommend everyone who's going to be you know, doing something that's going to deliver a result, you should always make sure you've got effective tracking on that. You should always be testing. You should always be using unique urls wherever you can you know, append any tracking onto that you should be using an analytics platform on on your website of course and on across all of your apps um yeah google of course again it's, it's free um, there are many others out there as well and of course google is just just moving into a 4.0 version at the moment which is going to create some complexity there there's also complexity around privacy and cookies obviously i'm sure many people um, listening to this will have, have heard about the i'm sure very well aware of all the changes in, in cookies and privacy over the last uh, few years and that is continuing to be very complicated and and you know, a challenge for marketers i think it's great actually for the consumer i think it's good for the for the individual to be able to say i i want to know exactly where i'm being tracked and what data i have that's being taken by companies and how that's being used and i want to be able to say no to that i think it's definitely the right outcome as marketers of course we want to serve personalized relevant advertising to people um, we don't want to be spamming people with rubbish so you know i think we're in an interesting phase at the moment where you can say no to, to personalized advertising, but you're still going to get advertising. So is it a better or a worse experience for you? Potentially worse. And it's worse for the Marxists as sort of everyone loses. But I think this is a temporary phase we're going through at the moment as we start to, to navigate uh, privacy and, and, and cookies effectively. But that's something worth doing a lot of reading about. I've written a few articles about that in various places. So do you have a good browse around lots of other people even smarter than me even smarter than me i should say i'm not that smart but uh, certainly smarter than me i've written uh, great analytics articles um over the years as well uh, but just taking a step back out of data analytics to look at ux um yeah so mm -hmm. it's a really interesting area um and the mix between design or the blend between sort of design and conversion and programming versus sort of back end and front end there's, there's a uh, you know, it's a complex area. There's some amazing um, web developers that I've worked with out, down the years and some amazing designers. It's rare that you find someone that's amazing at both. They're just very, very different skill sets and very different ways of thinking. So pulling those those two things together into 
you know, good design thinking is 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 really really important. And, and yeah, there have been some fantastic case studies. Um, I remember a story from from Google. This is one I always give to people years ago, which is a great example of the surprising things you can do to change the user experience that are going to have a commercial conversion benefit for you. Um, so the the story was one of Google's events. Uh, I think it was in Ireland years and years ago that I went to. And they, they told me about a business that had um they had a picture on their homepage of their website and they had a button that they wanted people to click on to buy their products. And they wanted to test how they could get more people to click on that button. So they took the picture, which was just of their products, and they changed it to a, a human, a person. Now, we as humans, we have a better relationship with humans than we do with things. And surprisingly, the, the button that clicks, actually, and the percentage of people clicking on that button went up as a result of a person being on there. Um, then they made that person a smiling person. So now it's a positive relationship and they got more clicks on that, that button. Um, then they made that smiling person a smiling baby. Everyone loves babies. They got more clicks on their button again. And then they made that smiling baby look at the button and then they got more clicks again. So, you know, wow. UX isn't just about, you know, do I make that button green? Do I make it bigger? Do I put it in the middle? There's a certain amount of, of human psychology that you need to understand within that as well and how you use images, how you take people through a good mm -hmm. flow. For example, if you're taking people down a conversion funnel, making sure there's really good signposting to say you are at step two of five steps mm -hmm. at the top rather Very than just important. here's another page. Because you know, after two or three pages, people start to think, how long is this going to go on for? Mm -hmm. And you might see a lot more drop off from your conversion funnel than you would if you just said, look, you've only got one more step to go. Um, and that that often happens. We see that all the time in, in conversion. Um, so, you know, good user experience is about familiarity as well. You can you know, a lot of sometimes people are trying to be a bit too clever and let's try and reinvent the way the Internet works. That'll that'll be OK for some brands. But for most companies, people are just going to leave because they just can't work out what on earth is going on, on on your website or on your mobile app. So a certain amount of understanding what good UX practices are. Um, and it's important also if you're if you're operating in that field of, of, of UX and web design to stay up to date with the trends because they do change the trends in terms of how consumers navigate, how they use menus. Is it a burger menu? Is it a mega menu? Is it down the left? Is it over the top? Those trends do change over time. And so making sure you, 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 the designs that you're putting together are in line um, with those trends as well. So you don't start to look like you have an outdated website very quickly. Uh, those are important as well, but it's a huge area and it's, it has a technology angle to it. It has a design angle to it and it has a psychology angle to it. So if you're operating in one of those three areas, I would strongly recommend going and reading about the others. You don't have to become a programmer. You don't have to become a psychologist, but having an understanding of what is the technology, what is the psychology, what is the visual design element of it? Um, and those three pieces and how they play off against each other is well worth reading because it's a fascinating area. Yes, yes, it is definitely. So I wanted to add to it. This is very important, what you just said, you know, user experience and coming up with new things versus uh, using best practices and what actually works, you know. There was this book, if I remember the name well, it was Steve Crook, Don't Make Me Think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it just crossed my mind because he was talking about that in the book as well. Re regarding to what you just said, you know, not make it difficult for your customers to understand whether it is, you know, the, the flow of the process, you know, how long is it going to be, you know, the shopping experience or whatever it is, filling out the form, right? So don't make it difficult, make it easy for them. Otherwise, your conversion rate is going to go down if you try to be too clever. So using best practices, as you said, to your advantage and using trends and making 
making the experience enjoyable and seamless and simple to your to your customers is probably it's, it's one so of important. Them. Yeah, and, and yeah. You, know, you mustn't assume that that people are all going to love your brand and they're going to work really hard to buy things from you because they're not, right? I mean, ultimately, people don't want to do that, right? There's that whole phrase, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And as you say, that book is a great book as well. So, um, so keeping it simple is, is, is critically important. You need to make sure that you make everything very clear. If you've got a form, for example, make it really, really clear what you mean on each of those questions. Is there any way that question could be interpreted differently? Make sure you've got an error message if someone makes a mistake. And that error message is really clear about what mistake they've made. As soon as they have to think about it, they're just going to get annoyed with you for not having made it easy for them. And you people don't accept that anymore. You know, Maybe 10 years ago, people did a little bit, uh, but now they just don't. If you're going to make me take an extra 10 seconds out of my life, I'm going to go somewhere else. It doesn't make me do that, right? So it, it's just not, not accepted. So it has to be really frictionless, really, really simple. Make it as simple, clear as you can. Don't take more data than you have to. Don't make it complicated. Don't try and be clever. Just make it really, really clear and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you can, of course, you can have great design and kind of impress your customers and and build uh, and differentiate yourself, you know, with visuals. But uh, the user experience should be on point and should be seamless and uh, enjoyable, right? So this is really critical. And in the fifth part, uh, you talk about how to put this all together, right? How to put all those pieces together. And you actually explain the steps to implementation, like how to in- implement that theory, those all those different things that you've talked about earlier in the book and how to put this into practice, right? To create a solid, robust strategy. So perhaps uh, I thought, you know, as a last question, as a last key talking point, I thought maybe you have some like in general tips for our listeners when it comes to this part of your book? Yeah, I mean, I think really the, the last part of the book is, is, is primarily focused on, on everything that we've talked about already um, and just how do we put it together in a way that is, is logical and clear. Um, mm-hmm. th- there is, the, you know, the, if you follow, it, it summarizes all the different sections of the book and says, this is, don't forget, these are the bits and pieces to pull together in your strategy. And, you know, your strategy might be, uh, you know, depending on your business and your culture and everything else, a style of how you guys communicate, it might be a strategy, it might be an email to the CEO, right? Or it might be a 400-page PowerPoint presentation. It's going to be different um, for how you're presenting. But once you've built that strategy and you're confident and you can show the results you're going to deliver based on the spend and where you're going to attribute that spend across all the channels that we've talked about, you've got a clear mm-hmm. content plan, you've got a clear advertising plan, you know who your audience is, all this is spelled out, all those points we've talked about are spelled out in there. There is a section of the book that talks a little bit about um, – decision making within organizations which is uh, an interesting area because you know ultimately different structures of organization make their minds up in different ways you may have a a board who meet once a month and they have an agenda and you might get two minutes on that agenda to come and present your marketing strategy um and you have you've only got two minutes to get real buy-in on this in which case you've got to take that 400 page powerpoint presentation and compress it into one one page with five points that are going to be really really powerful and uh, but then you're going to have to wait three months for that board to all discuss it and agree it so you know, how do you make sure you keep yourself top of the agenda and it doesn't lose focus on the other hand you might be a small company with 20 people in it there's a ceo and you say something to him and he decides if he likes it or if he doesn't like it and that's mm-hmm. it so that's a very different style of how you need to convince that person or you may have a boss who's the ultimate decision who's not the board or the ceo he's just the marketing director or she's the CMO or whatever it might be. And with that person, they always listen to the advice of an external consultant. So maybe you need to influence that external consultant to get them on side as part of that decision-making process. So so there's an interesting, we come back to psychology as, as we so often do in marketing, 
But there's an interesting point around there about not just have you built a great strategy, but how do you get that decision maker to buy into it? How to make sure you understand that person or that group of people, what what their decision making process is, and therefore make sure that you walk into there confident that not only is your strategy good, but you know that those people are going to buy into it. And I think that's important because it can be incredibly frustrating when you spend months building a strategy that you know is right and you've you've tested and you've got a you know a career of doing this really well and then you put it in front of someone and they just dismiss it it's incredibly mm-hmm. frustrating so yeah. you know, preparing yourself and making sure you make the best case is something that you know, everyone ultimately needs to do in life yeah that's very interesting uh you know buy-in is very important as you said uh, you spend months or, or weeks or whatever it is preparing yourself and creating this strategy and then there is something lacking in the presentation or whatever it might be. So yeah, that section would be really helpful, you know. So yeah, in your book, again, guys, as we are approaching the end of our interview, Timon really explains everything about digital marketing, you know, all kinds of aspects and really dives deep and tells you. So whatever your business, you are, whether you're a startup or a bigger corporation, B2B, B2C, I think this book is for any kind of business who wants to dive into, you know, digital and create a successful digital marketing strategy. So as we are approaching the end of our interview, of course, I'm going to include the link to the book in the in the description box below so you guys can check it out. But I would like to ask you, Simon, how people can find more about you and the work you do. Uh, so I can include those links in the description, maybe your website, social media. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, you can uh, just Google me, you'll find me. Um, but my website is um, is simonkingsnoff.com. Um, so you'll find links to uh, Digital Marketing Strategy, uh, my new book, the Digital Marketing Handbook, that comes out in, in January, and uh, about my uh, my business, which is a, a marketing consultancy and agency uh, helping companies around the world with all these things we've just talked about. So, um, you know, if any of you guys do want to uh, you know, a free sort of marketing audit or consultancy, just get in touch with me through that. And I'm more than happy to see if I can help any of you there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time, Simon. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast and talk about digital marketing strategy. Yeah, great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. That was a really good chat. I enjoyed that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Bye. Take care.